0: The sun is shining and all of my favorite plant friends are popping up right now. Speaking of plants, what are you growing this year? Do you know? Do you know what kind of medicine will be in your garden or are you still trying to figure it out? totally okay if you're still trying to figure it out. We're all growing and learning on this journey, right? But if you want some help, I do have a family medicine garden guides. It's basically 10 essential herbs that I feel like every mom needs to know and grow in their yard. I give you some growing tips and ways that you can use it as medicine. And it's totally free. So if you want that, I'm going to pop a link in the show notes here for you to grab it and give Get your hands digging in the dirt and growing incredible medicine for you and your family. Hello and welcome to The Herbalist Path, a podcast where you'll discover how to make your own herbal remedies at home so that you can take better care of yourself, better care of your family, and... Better care of our planet. I'm Mel. I'm a clinical herbalist, environmental educator, and mountain living mama with this crazy passion for teaching more mamas and their little loves how to use plants as medicine in a safe, effective, and tasty way so that there can be an herbalist in every home again. It's an absolute honor to have you on the journey down the herbalist path with me so that together... We can make herbalism. Hashtag spread like wildflowers. Hey, welcome back to another episode on the herbalist path. I am really excited and fascinated by today's guest, Miss Cindy Collins, who owns Euphoric Herbals. And it's really funny that I have her on the show today because I have been watching her from afar, yet also in the same rooms for many years, because we both started our herbal product businesses around the same time and were pseudo competitors. But is, is that what you really call it in the herbal field? Or do we lift everybody up? But. It's always been really fun to watch you, Cindy, on your journey and watch Euphoric Herbals grow. You now have this incredible product line. You also specialize in herbs for mamas and babies, and you run two apothecaries now. So it's really, really fun and fascinating to watch you and your journey. And I'm so
1: excited to get to know you more on today's show. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to share about kind of my journey and what I've learned and what I'm continuing to learn, you know, during the season.
0: Yeah. Isn't that the great part is like, we're always continuing to learn whether it's business or it's herbalism or life in general? Yeah.
1: Absolutely.
0: So I am really curious, you and I were in a program together at the same time with Dr. Aviva Ram, but I would love to hear where your herbal roots began. Like, when did you really start to get into herbalism and how did that
1: happen? Um, So for me, I think it really started during my first pregnancy back in um, 2005, yeah, 2005. And just because it was such an important time in my life, I, you know, figured I'm growing a human being and this requires a lot of attention and focus. And I really wanted to make sure what I was putting in and on my body was safe during pregnancy and postpartum. So as I really started to embrace holistic healing, and I think, um, that was just kind of underlying having grown up in the San Francisco Bay area, that was just already, already there that, you know, embedded in me growing up in that culture and that environment. Uh, but at that time, I found myself, you know, I moved to Delaware in 99. And that's not kind of part of this culture here. Um, slowly evolving um, over time. But that's kind of how I got started into herbal healing. That's so
0: funny. I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast in 99. And you went from West Coast to the East Coast in 99. That's so funny. Um, oh, my
1: goodness.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. What a great way. I think a lot of mamas really get into it yeah. when they're like, oh, my gosh, now I'm responsible for a whole a whole other human. Like, what Uh do I do? What were some of the most profound things that you learned at that time? Like, were there any particular herbs that just made you go? Wow, that's incredible or anything, really?
1: Yeah, I think one that has resonated for me having had my, you know, Having had my own children and then also having worked in lactation in hospitals and being a bursola, um, honestly it was red raspberry because I feel like it's such a great herb for women for all seasons of life, regardless of where they're at, whether you're, is there a young girl just starting their menstrual cycle or whether they're going to menopause? I feel like it's such a great herb that can help so many women and you know help them with um you know pregnancy postpartum lactation womb health um so that's one thing i've always i've always used that in a lot of my remedies and formulas because i really think about specifically how can i help you know women in their season of life where they're going whether it's you know lactation and beyond
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love red raspberry leaf so much for its nutritive properties for its love of the uterus. And yeah, yeah, it's incredibly powerful. What kind of ways have you specifically like, used red raspberry and maybe in some of your formulas in in euphoric Mm -hmm. herbals, like, because I do have a lot of mama listeners, and I'm sure they're going to be really excited to hear about your product line too.
1: So I started using raspberry leaf when I started making my own teas just for myself. And that was the that was always the intention. It was never just like, what could I help for myself Um, in pregnancy teas? So when I started searching pregnancy teas in in 2005 and I'd kind of see what's on the marketplace and looked at the quality of the herbs. It was very just dried and cut and small. And the cost of that, I was like, oh, well, I can make that so easy. Actually, I actually have a culinary background. So I think kind of my idea of creation and making things come from a culinary background um, and so I like to make my own thing. And so I, I felt very confident in doing so. Like I can totally make a tea. Like if I can make all these amazing desserts, I can make an herbal tea. Like that's, you know, it's an easy formula, you know, that's an easy recipe. And, um, so that's where I kind of got started and, and thinking about that. And a lot of the teas that I, I make have that as a good base of it for, for most, um, you know, even into menopause. Uh, you know, thinking about you know, um, into, into libido and things like that. So a lot of things I have have that as a nutritive property because it is so healing. Um, and so that's really I've just kind of focused on that. It wasn't always intentionally mm-hmm. like I'm going to make a tea and it's going to revolve around red raspberry. Leaf. It was just it happened to work that way. Like when I made this, I had this vascular toning tea, that came out of a, a need that I had during my own pregnancy. If so I suffered some variscosities and um, and I would just drink. Quartz of nettle. <laughs> and those were not like, they were okay, but I don't love nettle. But I was like, I got to blend this with other stuff and did, did a lot of research, you know, so that I ended up blending nettle and raspberry leaf and butchers removed and white oak bark, you know, things that were going to be better for me to really kind of target my issue and my concern, you know, uh, during my pregnancy.
0: I love that. I keep hearing you talk about yourself and we have so much in common because my background, I was in the restaurant industry, but I was a bartender. So I take a lot of that, like dancing, the medicinal properties of herbal plants with their flavor profiles, much like a chef and make things taste great and work really well. So that's, that's beautiful. I love to hear that. (laughs) It's super fun. Uh, I nerd out on it entirely too much. So Um, that is amazing. And I would love to hear, uh, do you use a lot of herbs with your kids?
1: Oh, all all the time. Yeah. I use a lot of the herbs with them. So I have my own in my own kitchen and in my own bathroom. I have my own pantries kind of stocked with things of, of herbal natural remedies, you know, extracts and essential oils and capsules and uh, topical saps. Like I even used on my dog this evening, yesterday, our super staff, like she got a cut and a spray. And so I just rub it all over her where she's, you know, so I use that with them regularly still to this day, you know, and try to explain to them CBD, like I'm using all things with them and, you know, even nutritional supplements as well, um, what I'm using and why I'm using it. So hopefully it'll stick when they get older.
0: Yeah, it's so important and fun to teach these kids. I think they're really fortunate. I didn't grow up with that kind of background and sounds like you did growing up in the Bay Area. Um, but it's really great to see so many more kids learning these kinds of things from their parents or their grandparents. I think it's amazing. Do your kids yeah. have any like favorite herbs?
1: Do they have some that they're drawn to or Um, they are so. I have three boys and they're ah. really extra same. Um, so they're not really at that point where they're in touch with their health and wellness, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I'm super challenged by that, you know, and so they're not really in, in touch with any herbs specifically, but they're so happy for me to make them a tea. I think I've got like six different French presses. And so they're always happy if I make them a tea or I teach them how to make a tea, but my youngest one, um, sometimes he'll help me out at the apothecary as well. And he'll help me with different things where he's more likely to ask for a tea, you know, or if something's bothering them or upsetting them or, you know, whatever, they're challenged or troubled by something, you know, sometimes I'll ask them, well, do you know what to do for that? Just kind of a little on the spot do you know what you would do? How would you help yourself? How would you remedy that issue before yeah. I tell them what to do?
0: Yeah, I love that. That's that's cute. And it is harder to get the boys interested. How old is your youngest? Uh Twelve. Yeah, that's that's not bad. And then your oldest, yeah. I'm, I'm like doing the math in my head. Uh,
1: Eighteen. Yeah, I'll be yeah, 18 in September. So, yeah, 12, 15 and 17. That's exciting. You are a busy, busy mama running busy, busy yeah. businesses.
0: That's yeah. super fun and exciting. So I want to I touch base a little bit on the lactation and the, your work as a doula and those kinds of things. Can you just share a little bit about that part of your life? I wanted to take a quick pause to show some love and gratitude to our sponsors of the Herbalist Path podcast who make this show possible for me and possible for you too. So here it goes. I love this time of year. It's spring, the sun is shining, and all of our beautiful plant friends are popping up. It's amazing. Unless, of course, you're one of the millions of people who suffer from seasonal allergies. You know, the itchy, watery eyes, the sneezing and wheezing that's straight miserable. Thankfully, there are some amazing herbs that can help you with all of that, just like the herbs inside of kick Allergy from Wish Garden Herbs, one of my absolute favorite herbal companies out there. kick Allergy, yes, I said ask without the K at the end. Anyways, this formula has Yerba Santa, Nettles, Echinacea for that immune support, and orange peels all which come together to help dry up those excessive mucosal secretions. Yep, I'm talking about the sniffles and the stuffy nose, the watery eyes and all that jazz. This blend also acts as a great expectorant and can help ease the swelling and inflammation in those mucosal tissues. It is a top go-to for seasonal allergies. And get this, they combine all those beautiful herbs with glycerin, so it actually tastes pretty darn good. Or should I say it tastes kick-ass without the K at the end. (laughs) Anyways, if allergy season is miserable for you and you want a natural remedy that actually works for those itchy eyes and being all sneezy and wheezy, you have got to check out Wish Garden Herbs Kick-Ass Allergy. And for those of you with the little kiddos, no sweat. They've got a kick it allergy too. And you pregnant mamas, you don't have to suffer either. They've got a kick-ass allergy formula just for you. So head over to wishgardenherbs.com or check out the link in the show notes and go grab yourself some kick-ass allergy so you can enjoy spring again. <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so after my son was born, I worked in local hospitals as a, a breastfeeding peer counselor. And so I would kind of be the first line of support for, um, for, um, for families. And if they were typically on WIC. I would see just those patients. And so I would help them with kind of basic fundamentals before I would come like, oh, this person needs an IBCLT. Um, you know, but I knew a lot because I read and researched so much lactation during my own pregnancies into postpartum took classes and just just devoured um, understanding lactation and really um, enjoyed that part of motherhood and how fascinating it was for my own health and wellness. Um, but it was really during those times after that, I kind of got into being a Barthula. And so then I would have a lot of clients, they would continue to ask me about um, you know, herbs for pregnancy, herbs for postpartum, you know, and what are the different things that they could do that was safe for lactation? That was safe, not only safe for lactation, what could they take that's safe for lactation and safe for milk supply if they had milk supply challenges? Um, you know, so very often they would come to me with requests or concerns. Um, I wasn't really big into making products at that time. I was just a hobbyist. Just it was really just for me, my friends, my family, my community and my dual clients. I would make things for them. I never intended until some of my dual kinds would be like, you know, you're really good at this stuff. Like you make things. It kind of formulation came to me very naturally. Um, and it felt very instinctual for me. And so they'd like, you're really good at this. You know, you should, you should offer these products somewhere else. And so that kind of got me thinking, huh, maybe I could, you know, I really do like creating and crafting. And making, and so, you know, I made it an Etsy store, you know, um, probably at the time I was still working as a doula, doing lactation at hospitals and and had kids where I put some of these herbal teas and salves um, that I had on there, along with the jewelry that I made. I was like, what am I creating? I'm just going to sell it and offer it to the world, you know, and see. Um, But it was. It was more so as that started to grow and I was doing other, other things. I was a photographer as well. a complaint point between birth, birth photography, prenatal and lactation photography. Um, that I realized that this, these products that I was recreating was really taking off and getting a lot more traction than I ever anticipated.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a good time of life, especially on Etsy back then. Like that was before Etsy. Was so hard to be found. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's awesome. I love that. Mm-hmm. So as a doula and supporting all of those mamas, what were other than red raspberry leaf? What were some of the herbs that you found to be most helpful
1: for mamas? Oh, um, so oat straw is pretty amazing. You know, it's so, it's such a nutritive herb and so rich in calcium and magnesium. And it's so gentle pregnancy, you know, pregnancy postpartum into lactation, you know, it has it's less likely to interfere and have contraindications, so it's such a great gentle herb to use. Um, So I really loved that, you know, when there was, if people would come to me and they're struggling with maybe some anxiety or maybe if they're pregnant and nursing at the same time and they're feeling really touched out, you know, it's really calming, Um, you know, so they would just kind of come to me with, with questions like, could you make me a blend for this? And it was intended usually just to be for them, but after different people would come to me and ask me the same questions. I'd be like, oh, well, I'll make another after that. I made that for another client. And then it just continued to to grow beyond that. But it's all based off of what did my dual clients want? Um, what did the kind of the people that I was helping in my community, what things they were asking for kind of really fueled my creation? And sometimes it was my own things, Like my vascular toning tea was just entirely for me until I had other people had this experience the same issue, and I was like, "Oh, girl, I have been there. I understand. I have a tea for that for you. I know.
0: I have a tea for that. I think that, I think I've said that about a billion times in life. Mm-hmm. There's a tea yeah. for that. There's a tea for yeah. that. I love that oh you God. use teas so much too. I think right now what I'm I'm seeing for some reason, and maybe it's just because I'm. It's all." pointed at me with the way social media mm-hmm. works, but I see so many people very obsessed with tinctures. And mm-hmm. as people are learning more and the world of herbalism is growing in interest and, you know, people are flocking to it pretty much. Like there was an extreme flocking as of 2020. What I yeah. see are people are just obsessed with tinctures. Like they think that's yeah. the only way they can get mm-hmm. herbal medicine into their body. And I'm like, but wait, yeah this can be enjoyable. You can have yeah. a simple cup of tea and there's so much medicine just in mm-hmm. the art of giving yourself time to sip mm-hmm. tea. Like yeah. When does a mom have the time to just
1: sit and have yeah. some tea? You know? Yeah. Absolutely. And those are conversations we have with people when they come in the apothecary, especially when they're brand new and they're just starting on a holistic killing and they, don't know entirely what they're looking for. So we kind of ask them like, what would you use? Like what do you like tea? Uh hotter ice? Do you uh, do you, do you want to swallow capsules? Can you can you even swallow capsules? You know, or do you need an extract or something topical? You know, so we were like asking them, I want to recommend something to you based on what you're actually going to use because it doesn't work unless you use it.
0: Yes, exactly. It doesn't work unless you use it. That's another one I use often. Like if the herbal remedies are just collecting dust in your shelf. They don't work, <laughs> you know, they, they don't yeah. work just because you bought them and now instantly you have been fixed. So yeah, that's a really, really important thing. And, and I'll hear that question often, like what's the best way for me to take this herb? And it's like, well, what way? Will you take it? (laughs) That is the best way. Are you a capsule taker? Capsules aren't my jam, but some people, they really, really are, you know? So you have to meet people where they are at. Very true. true. Um, Let me see. Do you have any favorite books that have helped you? You said you did a lot of research earlier in your days. Are there any particular books? If somebody were just like starting to get into this world of herbalism, or maybe books that you really heavily relied on doing your research in your lactation and
1: doula support days. Yeah, so th- one of the first books that I really got introduced to was Susan Wade's book, um, The Childbearing—I think it's Bearing Year—and so that kind of got me started on that path. But of course, I kind of you know during those times I was—I'm also reading EMA and I was also reading Rosemary Gladstar. Um, you know, and then so, and then also I read some books by Demetra Clark and then I really kind of connected a lot more with obviously Ziva Realms, you know, yeah. um, her books and her course and her background really. Has somebody who had planned to be a home birth midwife that really connected to me as about her path of being a home birth midwife and then being the president of the American Herbalist Field and then going on to becoming a trained physician. Um, so I really gravitated towards her background and her teachings and found those to be really helpful to me as somebody who really wants to, um, you know, focus on women's health and wellness and mm-hmm. their, their needs. Yeah. So if, for some, if they were like, if I was recommending a book, I, I honestly would say probably any of the Garam books are great. Mm-hmm. Rosemary Gladstar books are fantastic yeah. um, and there's so many more educators coming out now. Like I've yeah. really enjoyed books by, and we have a whole huge library in both of our apothecary locations for us to reference yeah. and to self-educate and then also to offer that for customers as they're coming in. Because we want to teach people to become emp- empowered and informed consumers, you know, to not just rely on us to give them the answers that they need to do their own research and just, yes. and whether they're coming in now, again, we're an herbal apothecary, but we're not clinicians. That's a very big difference. We don't do that at the apothecary. We like to recommend those people out to somebody who's going to give them that time and attention that they really need and deserve mm-hmm. from a certified herbalist to help them in a clinical manner. Um, So we always show them the books that we're using, the books that we're referencing. We're like, take a picture of this. Like if we get lots of books in, we'll sell them, um, but people are going to buy books where they buy books that, you know, and, but we're happy to share our resources with people that come to the public so they can take the time to do their own research on there. That's really important. Yeah, the
0: empowerment and the research are super important. I'd love for you to just touch base a little bit deeper on, like you said, at your apothecary, sure, you provide a lot of herbs for people and you do have a large mm-hmm. amount of knowledge. But what's the difference between that and working with a clinical herbalist or somebody who is mm-hmm. in
1: that way? Um, I think it's a huge difference. So to, for, we are primarily a retail store that just specializes in botanical remedies first. So when you're coming into our store, if someone really, it depends on how busy you are, we might be able to give you a little bit more guidance, but the working with the clinical herbalists, they're going to take hours. <laughs> they're going to do an intake and to understand your whole health history background. That's super comprehensive an intake. And then they're going to do research and they're going to work with you one-on-one to develop a plan and a protocol to help you with herbal remedies depending on what form they need and what issue they're trying to support or alleviate. Um, whereas at, at our store, we don't have the time to do that. Um, and then also the people that are working our store, they're not, not every one of them are certified herbalists. They may have some background in herbal and natural and holistic healing because of their own personal passions. And they've spent years self-educating them, um, educating themselves. But as a clinical court, or someone who's gonna be doing practicing clinically, that's a whole different skill set. So sometimes we do get people that come into our store. I think maybe they don't realize they need a clinical herbalist or possibly they're trying to bypass that because they don't understand the importance and the value of paying for a clinical herbalist to work with them one-on-one to get the results that they need. That
0: is a fantastic breakdown. I get that question often um, as somebody who is trained to be a clinical herbalist and has also run the apothecary. It is a huge, huge difference. And I think a lot of people are unaware of that value. So that's a great breakdown. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> that, was, that was really, really good. Um, okay, fun. Uh, I want to hear a little bit more about Euphoric Herbals and what you do. So I know you do run two apothecaries, mm-hmm. Um And just let's hear about it. And you've started to talk about the beginnings and like people asking you for formulas and it just continuing Mm -hmm. to grow and grow. So what is before Goebbels?
1: So we um, were primarily based on e-commerce. You know, we started, I started in 2010, uh, primarily e-commerce based, Uh, but it really has become my full-time Focus, I would say, since about 2016, um, and it was really focused on, you know, pregnancy, postpartum, and lactation. We are most known for our lactation products. We have five different lactation products, and that was something that also, again, came out came out about based on what customers need. I never struggled too much with milk supply personally, except for like short phases. It wasn't a chronic, long term issue for me, but I had many clients who struggled with PCOS or IGT. Um, And, you know, and so focusing on those lactation issues, having worked in hospitals for for, for several years doing lactation support, I understood the challenges that they were facing, um, you know. And so we've just continued to focus on that. our health. Our product line has expanded, like we do have a lot of products that anybody can use regardless of pregnancy or lactation. We have a super staff right? and that can be used by anybody. You don't have to be pregnant or lactating to be using that. Um, but then we have some products that are just really focused on women's health and wellness. Like we have a a, a ladies libido tea, um, you know. And so we do have some people, or you know, some we do have people that come in and they're looking for a remedy for men, you know. And we can happily rec- recommend some herbs or some products that we have available. But that's not our big focus, um, you know. And also just because women are more likely to use natural and holistic remedies, so we kind of speak to that, you know, um, and think about their health and wellness. I think because also sometimes we as Busy women and caring for—I feel like everybody <laughs> in our life and our circle. Sometimes we forget to take care of ourselves, you know. And so, focusing on that—that that we can kind of guide people when they come in our apothecary when we are looking for those remedies. Um, but it's been expanding. Like I've definitely traded some more products and some more teas. Um, you know, always looking at how could I evolve my product line based off of what customers in the apothecary are telling us. Uh, and then in focusing just on our proprietary products and then 2020 eventually bought everything from the apothecary online almost everything so we grew from gosh it was like 30 SKUs, 30 items we made to like 800 and that was my <laughs> <Yes>. yeah <laughs> yeah and so at that time we were in like a, a warehouse that was like 1700 square feet two stories and that does not work for shipping and fulfillment. So we do all our manufacturing. We do our own shipping. We do our own fulfillment. Do their own customer. We have people on our team that do customer support. So I try to keep everything as much as I can internally and local because um, I want to create local jobs in my community. I don't want to just outsource everything to someone somewhere. Right. I want to make sure I know these people because um, I want to develop a team that's really important to me.
0: People that care about your business and its success instead of... right. I, I remember when I had my product line and so many people were like, you need a co-packer. And I'm like, no way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that takes away so much of mm-hmm. the quality. And then I had some other herbal friends who had worked with me in events and they'd go out and, and be part of the face of the brand. And one of them worked for a particular well-known herbal product co-packer. Mm-hmm. And, and and we had been talking back and forth because I was like, how do I handle the growth and the demand. And, and this woman, I'm like, well, you know, I'm thinking of going with this particular company and seeing if they'll take care of my products. And she was like, don't ever do it. Like your products are so good. And Mm -hmm. I work for them in their processing facilities and they will never touch what you make. Like they won't, they won't be able to put that level of love and that high quality. So I love Mm -hmm. that you're still making everything in her house as well. um, Supporting your local community. It's really important. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we do make anything with the exception of our lactation capsules. We get those done in bulk by a co-bactor because they have to be, oh my gosh. Capsules. No, thank you. I mean, I just, I never like, you don't know what you don't know. And when I started so so many years ago, if I had known where I was at now, I'd have probably been like way over wrong to be like, there's no way in the world that I'm ever going to do that. And because yeah. it was just so terrifying, you know. And so that was something I did find a contract manufacturer for to make my lactation capsules because I could not make them fast enough. Even with like I think I had like all these different each ha- each blend had their own tray, and then I would have people in trays, and it just felt like a capsule. We were just never keeping up. And, and then looking at scale and looked at machines, I looked at all of these things. And then when you need to have machines and the cost of that equipment and the cost of the, um, the, the HX system that needs to be installed yeah. for GMP practices. And I was like, this is crazy. So I found a good contract manufacturer that I started out with. And I since moved on to another one that could scale and grow with me, depending on where I go at in this mm-hmm. journey. But, I, so you know, I can call them up and go... I need 500,000 capsules or a million capsules. Uh, Or if I decide that we don't want a label, we don't want a bottle anymore. They can do that for me. If I decide to outsource that part of it, I'm like, I just need you to make the capsules because that is the most difficult, challenging part and let them do all the ordering because I used to order, I would source and order like 6,000 pounds of herbs to be sent to a contract manufacturer. And that was very unenjoyable. Mm -hmm.
0: I know. (laughs) I know very much. All too well. I have so much mad respect for what you do. And I want to talk a little bit about the GMPs and what that means and what that is. I see a mad rush of so many people making Mm. herbal products. And like you, I was very by the book and very mindful about following GMPs and making sure that my products and the way we made everything was up to par in that realm. So could you just break down a little bit about what are what does GMP even mean and why is this important in the world of herbal medicine?
1: Yeah. So GMP is good manufacturing practices. And, and that's really making sure that products are made um, safe in a, an environment that is safe from contaminants. And there's a lot of documentation in that process. Oh, and the so, documentation. <laughs> <laughs> you to teach other people to make that document. Um, so that is really important. And I didn't probably even understand GMP and what it all meant and really got into it. Now it's a flow. It's not a big deal. Like we we have no issues like taking lot samples and batch samples and documenting and retaining samples. And, you know, all of those things and document, you know, who makes what, when, and all the step by step process and put those. Systems in place, and so it's easy now. But setting that up was really, really hard, you know. And understanding, like, you got to register your warehouse. I've worked with a GMP consultant that worked in the um, in the supplement industry as well, and that was kind of helpful. It wasn't super helpful. So I feel like I'm always learning. What are the new regulations and new standards put out by the FDA? You know, I want to make sure I'm not breaking any laws I'm make sure I'm documenting and cleaning everything as much as possible so that, you know, that's where, you know, GMP is when you're receiving raw materials, like you're documenting that. You're retaining lot samples of every raw material and you're keeping those samples. When you're manufacturing things, there's a documentation of of all the raw materials you use. Where did that source come from? What's the lot number on that? What's your finished batch number? And retaining batch samples, I think it's two or three years after the expiration date, as well. And so that's really important, especially if you ever have to recall a problem, recall a product, not because maybe maybe it's not a, a harmful product, but maybe there's a stability issue. Or maybe if at some point I have a supplier call, call me up and go, I need to recall a lemon balm. And I go, okay, fine. What's the, what's the lot number? Oh, I use that in these products. I have no problem identifying that. That's so easy for me now, because I have systems in place. But of course, when I started, I mean, I had a notebook. That was my right. system. You know, flashcards are writing everything down on. But now it's documentation. I've got binders and we have all of that. And I've taught people how to do these systems. So I'm not doing everything. So I have the team members that can help me.
0: Yeah, it's so important to be able to track everything back to like the seed. Where where did this plant come from?
1: Have you ever mm-hmm. had a, a recall or anything like that? I did. Um, I haven't. I did have. There was one time where I had made a staff. And the one of these citrus essential oils that we used in it, it went, went bad. It went rancid on it. And so it, it causes stability issues. And it started with one customer contacting us. And I was like, give me that lot number on that yeah. staff. And then I had another one. I was like, oh, let's check what we have here. The stock left over from that batch. And then I realized they were there was nothing wrong with them. But the stability was not correct on it. So I had to toss everything out. Contact all those customers that purchased those products within certain dates mm-hmm. and then issue refunds or returns or replacements of, of some kind. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and that's only happened once, but it wasn't a huge. And then I looked at my, my formula as well beyond that. Like, okay, what was the issue here? And that took me a while to figure out like what is causing this problem. There's another time where it was a container. I'm using it was a, a metal container. And I think somehow they changed the lining. The interior lining that happened within that tin container and that caused stability issue. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so trying to find when you have a problem and something goes wrong, have to identify what is the source of that hmm. Which
0: can be a whole nother battle in and of itself. And you talk about containers and packaging and like all the thought that goes into your packaging and your labels. And do you have a rounded yeah. corner on your label edge or do you not have a rounded corner on your label edge? And just what words can you put on your labels and what claims uh, and all of that stuff? There is so yeah. much to consider when it comes yeah. to having a successful product line. And I yeah. had to do a recall and it was After I had uh, a supplier of mine reach out and said, hey, this particular ingredient, after we have tested it multiple times, has come back testing for salmonella. And so thankfully, I had all my lot numbers. I knew everywhere every one of those packages were and was able to reach out and get it taken care of quickly, thanks to that rigid documentation system, which is really unfun to set up, but is really
1: important too. Yeah, so, it's absolutely uh, necessary.
0: Yeah, I wanted to touch on that because a lot of my listeners are going to be completely unfamiliar with how much goes into that. And yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's really important and especially as not to knock Etsy and not to knock anybody making their own medicine. That's how I got into it. That's how you yep, got into same. it. But you can also go on Etsy and just see products that are photographed and be like, that is not great medicine. And maybe it's because, you know, I've I've done it long enough to understand. Or a great example is seeing somebody selling St. John's wort oil and the oil is like golden and clear. And you're like... (laughs) Interesting. Tell me about your St. John's wort. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so just, you know, yeah, I think it, yeah. it is, it's important to understand these kinds of things and to support small women owned businesses like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and the products that are created or learn how to create your own, which is absolutely fantastic as well. Um, yeah. and, and as you're considering, if anybody's out there considering like selling your own products, you need to consider the liability and safety that goes into selling healthcare products to a human mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm.
0: health products. It's not just like, yeah. yay, I learned how to make a
1: tincture. I'm going to go put it all on Etsy. Yeah. No, no, no. Cause there is, and you, and you have to be insured and oh my goodness, insurance makes me crazy. Especially Ugh. after like we uh, with having, you know, brick and mortar locations on top because you've got product liability insurance in addition to your brick and mortar and everything else. Um, you know, but when I have somebody that comes into a retail store and they're like, I want to sell you this product. And I'm like, I'd love to support local, but I don't know anything about your product process, how you made it, where you made it, right? Is it made in a safe environment free of contaminants? I mean, I get, I used to make stuff in my, in my home, but before I knew better and had the space. And once I, once you know better, you do better, hopefully, you know, and then, (laughs) and so I, you know, when people come in and they want to sell me their stuff, I need to know, how are you making this? Where are you making this? Do you keep track of your sources where you're, are you getting it from a supplier? Are you harvesting this from somewhere? Because obviously if you're then wild pasting, you're harvesting and you're making your medicine, how do you net, know, like, I want to make sure that screen scan is, it tested? So I just can't have people come and go, I, I harvested, you know, three pounds of mullein. Can you sell it? Not really. Um, Because then I don't know, is it been tested? Yeah. Do I have a certificate of authenticity? Can I make Do more? I know that your plant identification is on point? I know. So that's why I'm like, I only... Use uh, you know approved suppliers that I've vetted that I have used for years yeah. because I know I can contact them up and be like, oh, I need this C of A. I have a question about this, you know, where I can be like, oh, I'm questioning the the product quality of something. If I get a lot, and I go that looks different, and I can reach out to them and go, I need some more information on this. I need your C of A. I know mean, why does it look so much different? Can you can you check it again? Um, and it's it's really hard to do that with people that want to but want to come in and want me to sell their stuff. You know, especially mm-hmm. people are ingesting it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a big topic that I don't think really has been brought up much on this particular show, but obviously is very near and dear to everything that I know about yeah. herbal medicine and creating great products. So I'm glad we get to chat about this and, and the importance of it. Like I also love to support local and you know, can we can we open up a little conversation about wildcrafting sure. today as yeah. So many people are flocking to the world of herbal medicine Mm -hmm. and the safety of wildcrafting, along with the sustainability and Mm -hmm. ethics behind it. I think I see on social media, one of the things that I see all the time that just drives me bonkers, quite frankly, is just this big picture of this beautiful, abundant basket of plants. And they're like, I just harvested XYZ plant. What do I do with it? Yeah, and there's tons oh. of it, and it's not the right plant. Can we talk about that? Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. You know, it's it's really nice if you have an an area that's kind of your own, a little bit for you to meet the land that you own. You know, where and you can you know what's on that land, and you know what's grow there, and it's only going to be you for your personal use. But it's where you know we always try to buy certified organic. Some herbs only come in wildcrafting, but again, from vetted suppliers. But I want to make sure right. they're being ethically sourced. That's really important. Um, you know that we're not just and trying not to carry an alternative options to endangered herbs. You mm-hmm. know because that's the the overuse of wildcrafting when we're foraging, and which is a which is a wonderful thing. We don't grow, we don't forage, we don't do that um, just because it's not a whole nother I business it really is. It it really is. Um, I don't have the time for it. And that's just not really my specialty, Um, you know, and just making sure that we know the sources where we're getting things from, you know, so it's definitely it's, it's okay. And I think we always take more than we need. I don't know if I think it's just our society. <laughs> as Americans, we take more and we use more than we actually need as a one person, you know, and I think people might forget how much an ounce is or how much a pound really is when they're harvesting wildcrafting, crafting or ordering online, you know, when they're ordering something, they might order way more than they need, you know? And so that's why when we are manufacturing products and keeping products on hand, so whether we're getting an urban that we may not use any finished products, we're only ordering what we need. I don't order it in big, big batches in large quantities because also there's always the issue of something comes up, you know, like from a supplier and they need to recall it. So trying to order just what you need is really important because then that creates, uh, that leaves so much more for other people who may need that as well. But yeah, just being mindful of that is really important.
0: Absolutely. It is so important. Leaving enough for the others. I think United Plant Savers is a really fantastic yep. resource for Absolutely. that kind of stuff. If you're going to go out and decide to wildcraft, as I think about echinacea all the time and how yep. it used to be so abundant in our country and no longer is. Mm-hmm. and um, Those kinds of things break my heart and we need yeah. to talk about it louder and and... Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, and Louder we and we keep a list. Back. And we keep a list at the apothecary, and also we share it internally within our team. When Slack people ask for certain endangered herbs, they can see that list for United States Plant Savers. Like this is what's endangered. This is what's at risk. So if people come and ask you. You can always refer to this, just so they're aware of what they're asking for too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's so important. I love that you do that. Amazing. Um, Okay. What kinds of words of wisdom would you have for any mamas that might be listening to this and are like, I kind of think that herbs are cool and I want to use them in my life, but I'm really afraid.
1: Yeah. Um, I think when you're starting and, and you're looking to self-educate about using herbal remedies in your health and wellness, for yourself and for your family, um, I think a really great source is going to books, right? Mm. From cr- credentialed to educated teachers, you're going to find a lot of information online, um, but be very careful about that because there's a lot of misinformation and you really want to know someone's background and where, you know, Because sometimes you can find articles and there's not a source of where the article came from or those or that information. Um, So making sure you're going to a reptile source to find your information and education, and just be empowered to continue to learn and to ask questions is really important. Um, And just kind of don't forsake that. Don't forsake the books. (laughs) Go to the library, listen to the audiobooks. listen to the podcast. Don't always go to an online social group to get all your information.
0: Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I have an abundance of books and my book collection never ends in as far as like growing it, you know, I will continue to buy more and more mm-hmm. herb books and usually you can see them behind me, but it's a beautiful day. Yeah. So I'm sitting outside. Um, yeah. <laughs> cause it's gorgeous yeah. out. Um, that is a great piece of advice and wisdom. What about when they have people in their family that might be skeptical of the herbal medicine and maybe giving sure. them some flack or crap about trying to use herbs or that it doesn't work or that it's hippy-dippy
1: well i married one of those i married one of those actually (laughs) um i you know it wasn't something that was part of his, his upbringing and so as i got into it you know i was of course coming from california to delaware right and i was very much the the hippie fringe person, you know, and I did all the things that were kind of weird, you know, where I was a doula and I in hundreds of placentas and I did lots of herbs and people, would my voodoo witchy witchcraft, whatever. I'm just like, you know, I don't care. I'm healthy. Like I, you know, and so I, I don't um, I just let it roll off my back. Like, Mm -hmm. like a duck in water. And because I'm like, I know what I'm doing for my health and wellness. And I'm empowered of that. If people are trying to discourage me or they're confused or they don't understand, I'm happy to provide them with references, but it's not my job to educate, educate everybody, you know, just because they're unsure or they doubt that, you know, I've done the research and that that's all that matters to me, you know? Right.
0: So a big, who cares what you think? Kind of, (laughs) kind of right there. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty
1: Pretty much, you know, <laughs> yeah. And I've had people who've always kind of come a little bit over and they're just like, Oh, well, she seems to know. And they would kind of be ask more questions, be a little bit more curious. Um, you know, and so I still have some of those people who have gone to me as a trusted source of advisor over the past 10 years or so, knowing that I could give them right. The, the right answer that I'm not just going. There's, there's, yes, there's arms for everything, but also. Mm-hmm. Herbs are not one size fits all. They have oh. their place. They're not for everybody. Um, and yes, they can be used in conjunction with Western medicine. You know, you just need to know how and who had that conversation with your healthcare provider. Yes. That
0: whole herbs are not for one herb is not for everybody. Peace. Can we
1: just break that down a little bit again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and we do have people that come in and it's really been interesting having gone from a product manufacturer and a product line to opening an apothecary as well. I get to see both sides of the business in ways that I never thought where I have a recent store where I carry products that are manufactured from small and large companies. Um, you know, and so when we have customers come in and they're looking for something and, you know, we ask them, are you, are you taking any medications? And we have reference books and go, this is only what's been reported. This is only what's known, you know, and you can talk about these with your healthcare provider. And sometimes when they're taking a medication, their, their health care provider might seem to be telling them that their medication actually depletes their potassium potassium, or to take too much potassium or whatever it is. Like I'm finding that in my reference books, reference books and these these people that are coming in the store don't even know that because their health care provider is not taking the time to educate them about that. Um, you know, and so just letting them know that we just guide you on this. But you really have to be empowered to do your own research. And that's why we show them like, here's our list of books. If you want to pull up a chair and sit down and do your research, have at it. Mm-hmm. You are welcome to plant yourself here. Have a cup of tea and read. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And that's another place where a clinical herbalist is a great person to meet with because they yep, can absolutely. do that research and understand it for you because it is a whole mother yeah. language. It's multiple mm-hmm. languages, actually. You oh, know? my God. Yeah. Yeah. So. Awesome. Awesome. So how can people find you? Where are your apothecaries? How can they order from Euphoric Herbals
1: or connect with you anywhere in the world wide web? Yeah. Um, so, our website is Forkherbals.com. You're going to find a blend of our apothecary products as well as our proprietary stuff under our product name, which is Euphoric Herbals. And then our apothecary locations are currently in Delaware and Maryland, but we are in the franchise process. Um So, we are open to um, having some franchisees and then I get to be their cheerleader. So, which I'm super pumped about because that's something that I had never anticipated doing when I opened my first apothecary in 2018. Um So, I'm really excited to kind of grow the businesses this way and to see other people open uh, an apothecary in their community to serve their community. Um, and you can find us on social media, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook. Um, and yeah, so we're kind of everywhere.
0: Amazing. How exciting to franchise yeah. your apothecary. I'm excited yes. and, and proud of you because I know exactly all the work that you have put into this. So yes, well, um, ask
1: me and ask me when I actually get some franchisees under me, how that's going. Cause yeah. I say that now, but I'm an optimist. So I've got some really good leads, but I just got to, you know, make sure I can, I can properly serve those franchisees.
0: And also feel out those people. Mm -hmm. I mean, business is tough when you go into business with people, Mm -hmm. but you can rely a lot on what your gut says too. So, yeah. Um, amazing, Cindy, it's been really fun to listen to your story. Thank you so much for taking time and any other last words of wisdom or anything you'd like to say before we head off for the day?
1: No, I don't think so. I think, you know, we just, we, I think we are, we are smarter than we give ourselves credit for, you know, and that we can be savvy, educated consumers. And then also for someone who is, if they're in that process of starting a product sign or thinking about that, you know, that, um, ignorance is bliss. And I'm really grateful for that when I got started so long ago, um, because if you'd show me where I was at now, I'd have been like, yep, nope, I'm just going to change my path. Um, <laughs> but I, I can't imagine doing anything different.
0: Yeah. Awesome.
1: Amazing. Thank you again
0: so much and keep doing amazing work. All right. Thank you have a great
1: day.
0: Thank you you so much for tuning into another episode of The Herbalist Path. Being on this journey with you is absolutely incredible. If you dig this episode, please leave me a review on your favorite podcast player and share it with your friends so that together We can make herbalism, hashtag spread like wildflowers. On another note, I must mention that while I know you're getting some good info here, it's important to remember that this podcast is purely for entertainment and educational purposes and is not intended to be a substitute for medical treatment. While the information in this podcast is absolutely relevant, herbs work differently for each person and each condition. That's why I recommend you work with a qualified practitioner, whether that be another herb herbalist, a naturopath, or your doctor. So thank you again. I am truly honored that you're tuning into these episodes and on the path with me to make sure that there's an herbalist in every home again. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends so that we can make herbalism. Hashtag spread like wildflowers. take a quick pause to show some love and gratitude to our sponsors of the Herbalist Path podcast, who make this show possible for me and possible for you too. So here it goes. Medicinal mushrooms are all the rage these days, if you didn't know already. And with great reason, because they are powerful medicine that can improve your health and your life in so many different ways when they're well-made. Yeah, it's true, there's a lot of stuff on the market that isn't going to be so effective. And that's why you need to find a brand that you can actually trust. For me, that brand is Whole Sun Wellness, and this is the creation of a brilliant woman and fellow mama, Jamie Bonfiglio. She's an international mushroom educator that has been working in the medicinal mushroom industry for years. And this is when she saw firsthand how many other companies take shortcuts when it comes to their products. And Jamie wasn't having it. She set out to build her company the right way. Whole Sun Wellness is here to raise the industry standards so those crap mushrooms on the market aren't getting into your body or your family's body. Whole Sun Wellness is the first company to test and report nutritional facts for all of their extracts. They go beyond industry standards every step of the way, from sourcing to extraction and final testing. And as the owners of the largest medicinal mushroom farm in the United States, Wholesun Wellness is taking control of their supply chain for the highest quality and absolute full transparency. They're even the first company to include pure mycelium extract in every single product. So when you're thinking of getting medicinal mushrooms for you and your family, Wholesun Wellness is exactly the ones you want. Also, be sure to check out their new Mycolites. These are the world's first dissolvable electrolyte tablets. They're featuring functional mushroom extracts that'll give you more energy, more stamina, and recovery as well. And who couldn't use all of that? The other thing is, they are these adorable little mushroom-shaped tablets, and they come in like a little Altoids box, but way cooler than Altoids, because they're mycolites. Anyways, head to WholesomeWellness.com to grab yourself some mycolites and all of the other functional medicinal mushrooms that you and your family need. And of course, you can grab that link right here in the show notes now.